I don't know how this has happened, but it feels like just yesterday, Harry Kane was coming through and regularly starting for the club. And fast forward, he's on the verge of <laughs> he's on the verge of leaving and Spurs are about to play against as good a team as there is in the country right now to try and get our heads around what to expect from Spurs this year I'm joined by I think Jack you were the only other person I saw wearing a Spurs shirt the first day we went to football trials at university is that fair that sounds about right Josh yeah by memory always representing has to be done up the Spurs it does it does um so Jack you're Currently in Barcelona, so we're going to talk a little bit about Messi, but just some some Spurs thoughts to 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 get us going. I think there's only a one place we can start, and that's with Kane. The latest is that City are still pursuing him. It looks like, but we've got no real update since he put out the thing whenever it was on Friday, saying I'll never disrespect the club. I'm going back to training as planned. All of that sort of stuff. Where are you at personally with with Kane? Well, it's, it is an absolute mess, isn't it? I don't think... I think every Tottenham fan realises and understands that Harry Kane wants to leave the club and should be playing for, a, as much as it hurts to say, a bigger or better team than Tottenham Hotspur right now at this stage in his career. That much is completely understandable. But it's absolutely heartbreaking for me personally. I'm, I'm sure for so many other Tottenham fans that a player who who we have put on a pedestal, described as one of our own for years and years and years, has just completely, in my opinion, disrespected the fans more than anything um, throughout this whole, this whole affair. It all started to go wrong from a Tottenham perspective near the end of the last season. It would have been two games before the, the, the end of the season. Now, Tottenham at that point, despite the horrendous season we'd had with... You know, with everything that went on with Jose and the poor points return and everyone, Bar Kane and Son playing um, playing much worse than their, their true level. We were still in with a shout of European football, even by that point, squeezing into the top four if another team would have dropped points. And then we, we find our, our talisman, our vice captain, one of our own. He goes behind the club's back to hold an interview with Gary Neville, like a feature length interview on Sky where he's... He's talking about his future and he, he makes a real effort not to commit one way or the other because he's so obsessed with maintaining his model pro image and not, not committing on any issue. He never has, he never will. But he made it clear enough that he wants to join Manchester City. He wants to leave Tottenham Hotspur. And he even went as far as to say or to slip into the conversation that around about £100 million might be enough for the transfer. Now, I'm sure... I'm 100% sure that he's been having these discussions with his agent and brother, uh, Charlie, or his entourage, or whoever. And this was an attempt to try and start bringing down Tottenham's asking price from the very beginning, before the summer. Now, I'm quite, I'm quite convinced that Kane would have liked to get the transfer done pre-Euros, but it, that it just wasn't, it just wasn't feasible. Um, and anyway, the the game immediately after this this interview with Gary Neville, the whole Tottenham team were clearly off form. They, the heads were not right. Every single player to a man, Kane included, they, they played awfully. We got well beaten by a, an Aston Villa side and we and we ended up missing out on not only Champions League, but Europa League um, Europa League qualification. And now we're, we find ourselves in the, in the Conference League next year. And I think for someone who the club's fans have held up in such a high, high regard for so many years, to the fact that he couldn't wait an extra seven days for this interview 
the fact that he put he prioritised his his next career move ahead of the club's qualification for for Europe, which in this in this climate that would have been a, a decent income stream for us as well. Um, that in itself was a big red flag of what was to come this summer. Um, I'm not sure what your reaction was to that interview when it was given back in when would it have been early May, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I I do think it was incredibly entertaining and I don't think that's just because it was Kane who's like a, you know the best player at my favorite team and Gary Neville who I think is one of if not the best like football guy on TV um there I just yeah I don't think there's been an interview like that before where it's like kind of clearly incredibly staged and like we're going to walk across a golf course because we know Kane plays golf but also there's that level of kind of I wouldn't say friends, but friendliness, that level of like, oh, we've you've been the England coach while I've been there, that level of informality that you just don't really get um, with a sit down or, you know, if it, Kane's never going to jump on an athletic podcast, for example, and talk to like a, a guy, someone who loves Spurs. It's just not going to happen. So I do think that was, it was kind of unique. And yeah, I, I think the timing is just, it. looking back now, if he does leave, if we were to like piece together the timeline of these events, I think it's like pretty indefensible given what, yeah, what he said about, um, yeah, the, the, the fee and the bit about, you know, I'd love to play with De Bruyne. Like all of that stuff is kind of, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if at the time I thought, well, this is the beginning of the end, but I think given that we're three days away from the start of the season and we're still yet to really know what's going to happen, I think retrospectively, it definitely, it definitely is that. You said when you, when you messaged me, you said, what's the, what, what do you, where do you stand on all this Kane business? I said, I don't know. It seems unlikely that he was, he wasn't due back at training and that was just made up. And you made the point about that the club were briefing journalists and that we didn't on the, on the Monday and we didn't hear from him until the Friday what what do you like where do you think that came from well well firstly before even this happens right after the end of the Euros there was there was leaks in I think one was the Telegraph and there was one other newspaper as well they were saying that members of the England camp had been told or were telling journalists that they did not think that Kane was going to attend training so this this had been or, already been reported prior to the events of last week. Um, personally, I, I didn't believe them. I, 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 I always had Kane down as being a model professional. He will never go on strike. He will never not give 100% for the club, for his teammates, et cetera, et cetera. And then when, when this happened last week, you, you, it was the, mon the Monday morning, wasn't it? And then you see the club, well, it was, <laughs> you could, I, I had a feeling something was going to happen because there were Sky, Sky Sports News reporters outside the ground when all of the, the players were arriving outside the training ground at Hotspur Way. And this didn't happen at Villa Park's training ground with Jack Grealish, who was in a very similar position. This didn't happen there. So someone had told Sky, I'm not saying who, <clears throat> Charlie Kane, someone had told Sky that uh, Harry was not going to be in, in attendance. And if, in fact, it was a, a, a huge misunderstanding and Kane had been given time off by the club, it wasn't authorised absence, they would not have waited four or five days um, before issuing a statement to, to clarify what had happened. Quite, quite clearly, the Kane is not in the club's good books right now. They, they made no effort to try and uh, defend his reputation or image, and they, they quite rightly, in my opinion, felt hard done by. And it took until Friday, what was it, Thursday evening or Friday morning until Kane came out with this statement, which 
is worth uh, analyzing in a whole separate podcast because it was full of, uh, quite frankly, nonsense, the Keynes statement. He, he refused to talk about, what, he, what did he say? I don't want to go into details is one of the things he said. When details is what we need, no? Details is exactly what we need right now to, to get to the bottom of this. Um, oh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, and I, maybe, maybe this is revisionism or like rewriting history on my part. When came, like the first few years after Kane broke through, I really felt he was like, if you, if you cut him in half, he would bleed blue and white, you know, proper Tottenham, proper Tottenham man. But then you look back over the last two or three years, maybe even three, four, he has been, in my opinion, absolutely obsessed with being the best player he could possibly be, possibly prioritizing this over the success of the club in which he he plays and therefore prioritizing his individual success over potentially the team success. Now, I'm not saying that last, last season he was absolutely phenomenal. He was an, you know, he was the, the top goal scorer, the top assist maker, wonderful, wonderful player throughout the season. However, we built our, our entire team around, around Kane last year. Pretty much every other player apart from Kane and apart from Son were below par. They were not reaching the expectations that, you know, were rightly placed upon them by the fans. And when Mourinho was sacked, pretty much the only person, according to reports, who was still pro-Mourinho or Camp Jose was Harry Kane himself. Why? Because Kane was reaching these, these individual levels that he's never, he's never reached before. Yeah, I feel he's, he's becoming like a footballing robot. Like, he, he hasn't, he's, he's completely <laughs> clinical. There's no, there's, no, there's no emotion. There's no passion. It's just he's a, a goal-scoring, assist-making machine who, you know, you could have... You could have you could interview him after the game and there's no, no, he will say nothing of interest ever. It's just these clean, boring answers. He's just a, a professional in that sense. He wants to get the job done, say nothing of, uh, I don't know, there's nothing, there's nothing to him as a character, man. He just, he just scores goals. He just scores goals. And um, yeah, looking back, maybe this is me preparing myself mentally for his for his departure, but I'm, I'm not sure he does love the club as we felt he, he did. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a couple of things there. I think there's definitely a part which is when he came through at Spurs, he was scoring now and again in the Europa League. And then very, very quickly, he was starting up front every game and scoring against Chelsea. And it was it, it happened so, so quickly I feel like obviously there was the process before I've been out on loan all of that is 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 different but for the the time it took for him to the the time it took between him getting into the team and starting regularly and him being one of the best strikers in the league that did not take long and I think with that comes a few a few I don't know I just think he probably wasn't ready to be as good as he was that quickly and that might be like that I have no idea whether that's true I think the like signing the six-year deal thing is maybe related to that where he's like oh my god like I yeah a six-year deal fantastic this is un- unbelievable obviously I'm going to take that I get all the things that where he said you know I've I've worked hard I've backed myself and I always knew that I could you know in the Gary Neville interview he says why well, I think I can put up better numbers and all that sort of stuff so I I, uh, he might not think that, but as someone who's just gone to Spurs games and watched him and seen, as you've said, how he's gone from like fucking hell, oh my god, I'm here and this is amazing, to I'm stuck here and I'm trapped and they won't let me out. Like that, that has that has happened in 
in a relatively short space of time. I mean, so his statement, it's almost 10 years since I made my first debut. For every one of those years, you, the fans, have shown me total support and love. That's why it hurts to read some of the comments that have been made this week questioning my professionalism. Uh, while, I, while I won't go into the specifics of the situation, and you're right, that's like, but, but like, if you give us the specifics, then everyone will probably get off your back. Um, yeah, we wouldn't be I so confused or angry. Exactly. I would. I want to clarify that I would never and have never refused to train. I'll be turned to the club as tomorrow as planned. And so we. So that's him returning to the club has been him training on a pitch by himself because he's in quarantine, right? Yeah. This is one week before <laughs> the start of the Premier League season. Ideal preparation yeah. when you're about to play the league champions. Yeah, it's a great start. Thanks, Harry. Uh, I wouldn't want to do anything. Uh, to jeopardise relationship with the fans, I think that's that's that ship sailed. Who have given me such unwavering support during this time with the club, that has always been the case as it is today. I think uh, it's just so hard to know if any of that is if any of that is real, and I'm not sure if we'll ever know. I still don't know. Like, if I had to, do, do you think there's any chance that Kane is in the Spurs squad on Saturday, Sunday? There have been some. Yeah, there there have been some reports this week that he should be he should be joining first team training after his period of isolation by Thursday, I think. In which case he will be available. And Nuno has said as much mm. in his in his most recent press conference that all players will be available, um, barring those with with minor injuries. I personally, I would not pick him. I don't think you can. He spent all summer trying to engineer a move to this club. His heart is clearly not in it. I don't think you can despite him being our best player by an absolute mile and the best striker in the league. I, I'm not, I, to be honest, I would, I would be very surprised to see him in a Tottenham shirt before the end of the transfer window. It does seem crazy that like one way or the other, he, like, he could play for either team on Sunday. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> could you imagine like... if, 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 if he was to make a transfer t- this evening and then he lines up against us on on the weekend and bangs in a hat trick at, par- at the Park Lane. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine how that would feel? <laughs> no, I, I. I mean, I don't. Th- I also. I don't think he would. Even though what I just said about him maybe not being quite as attached to the club as maybe I felt he once was, I don't think even he would be comfortable play- playing against Spurs in this weekend's game for Man City. I don't think even he would do that. Mm. So I think it's good for both parties to delay the transfer until later in the window, if indeed it goes through which is dependent on City coming up with the money, which I'm not sure they're going to do. Sorry. Yeah. You see the likes of Lukaku no, no, and Grealish going through for roughly £100 million. City have gone about this in completely the wrong order, haven't they? Like Signing Jack Grealish for 100 immediately raises the bar on the Harry Kane transfer, who has no release clause in his contract, unlike Grealish. So you're looking at least 140 I would say. If, if, we're, if we're talking a fair valuation, and I'm saying I wish two Tottenham Hotspur who would only have, well, less than three weeks to replace their, their, their best player, who's La league's top goal scorer, top assist maker. You've got to get numbers from elsewhere. It's not, and, you know, the, the English tax and everything. That would be a fair valuation for Tottenham Hotspur. City might think, oh, that's a bit expensive, but we hold all the cards. He has a three-year deal with Tottenham. And that, that money needs to be forthcoming. Otherwise, I'm afraid Harry is going to have to like it or lump it, isn't it? I just, I yeah, just don't I, see where it's, where it's coming from. I, I know. I think on, on the like specifics of the clause, like the, Grealish literally had in his contract, didn't he? If Villa aren't in the Champions League, someone can sign me for 100 million. Like, 
a top that is four team could sign him for that. A price. top four yeah. team could sign him for hundred million. Yeah, like, yeah, fucking hell, like perfect. Just be specific and 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 put it in, and it makes so much sense. I completely agree on the the order. Like, why? I think Grealish. Also, you've kind of. I get that there was all this clamor around him at the Euros and like all of that sort of stuff, but like. Kane's your priority, and I and don't get me wrong. I really like Lukaku. I think he's going to be fantastic for Chelsea. I think he was unbelievable for Inter Milan. I think he's definitely in that group of like Kane and Lewandowski and Haaland and Lukaku. And I think for me, those like they're they're the strikers. But Kane has just been the best player in the league for me for at least the last couple of seasons. He puts together these stretches where. If you want him to score goals, he can score goals. If you want him to create, he can create. He can basically play anywhere, given what, like, depending on what you have around him. And if he plays for City, they are, like, I think it's not even close that they're the best team. And yet they've gone to, they, they went to get Greenish first. I don't know. Very, very weird. I think, I think the, the point that I haven't really been able to wrap my head around is that, in with all of this, we've got a new manager. Like, what the hell is he thinking while this is going on, Nuno? Yeah, it's been a difficult um, a difficult start to a Tottenham Hotspur, hasn't it? Because he's, he's came in and immediately he's had this put on his put on his plate, this whole Kane situation, which is massive. Even for the likes of Mourinho, who's been there and done it, and, you know, it would have been a tricky, a tricky situation to navigate. And Nuno's came in, and do you know what? I think he's done a relatively good job so far. He's managed the, the media very well. He's answered questions well. He's the players seem to like him, and reports suggest the same. He's quite popular. I think he's done okay, but um, yeah, um, I think with Nuno, um, he's the sort of guy. I think he has quite a. I, 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 I was reading an article earlier on, and it was described as maybe a high floor, but a low ceiling for a manager. As in, he's the the, only, the, the minimum level of the players this season will probably not be as low as last season under Mourinho largely because of their personal relationships with him or whatever. However, I don't think he's going to get a lot of the players to reach the absolute peak of their, of their abilities. But I think that's, that's what Tottenham want at the moment. We want a bit of stability. We want a bit of continuity, bring through some younger players, lowerly age profile, and just, if you can play to the sum of our parts and get us achieving more or less, you know, that sort of level, I think he'd have done a very good job. Um, so, yeah, so far, I'm quite, I'm quite impressed with him, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like I like him. I liked I liked Wolves when we used to play against him. I used to when he was there, and I think fuck, like that's a tough game. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I very clearly remember, like there was the Vatongan header where we scored late, where we didn't deserve to win that game. I don't oh. think there was one game where Doherty um, kind of cuts inside, scores with his left foot. We, I think we we had like a gnarly draw with them over Christmas last year. Just like they always seem to be. They seem to be good against us, and obviously that's not a that's that's maybe not uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Then you think, oh great, we'll go and get their manager. But I'm also like fairly fairly happy with the idea that he's going to be the Spurs manager. Like I'm 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 into it. I'm here to to support a team that he's managing. I think um, I just think it must be so so tricky um, to 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 come in and and know that this is going on. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're bringing him up in press conferences, even though the, that's all the, that's kind of the juiciest thing you could possibly say. Um, and Ke- and Kane hadn't met him or something. They didn't even talk to each other or something like that. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I understand that Nuno he he, he decided not to um, not to contact any of the players during the European Championships just to let them focus on you know the 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 tournament with their countries. But since then, there's been no contact with Nuno or Paratici, um, with Harry Kane, this is. And that doesn't sound normal to me. That doesn't, when he is your best player, and you, it doesn't sound normal. It doesn't sound like, like there's a healthy relationship between the club and the player. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the fact that Nuno had not been in touch with him is actually symbolic of the, the breakdown in relationship between Kane and the likes of Levy and potentially Hitchin and the guys higher up at the club as well. I think, um, but yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he's he's done okay so far, and it's it's nice to be able to to be able to support a team where you're not absolutely dreading the next press conference. You're not dreading to see which player is going to be thrown under the bus or what cringy comment he's going to make. He's just he manages the media well. He has a smile on his face. He talks positive things, and that is it's refreshing. It's it's like the cloud has been lifted over the over the staging, which is it's a, it's, a, it's a nice position to be in, I think, even though we're not as good as maybe we could have been had the last two years not gone the way they did. It's okay. We're in a good place. Yeah, I agree. I think even like I was watching the, I rewatched the, like Nuno's first session, they just put it up on YouTube, the club put it up. And it's just, it's, I'm, I'm ready for a year of like, you know, like Deli Ali like looks really happy and is like really, really involved. Like I'm into that. There's bits with uh, Reggion and Lucas is like flying and playing really well. Like I'm, I, there's enough, there's enough there to get me excited about a season. Um, and I think more than anything, it's just nice to have a manager that like, that I, yeah, that I like, that I want to support like towards, well, it, Mourinho era in, in general, it was really hard at times to be like, oh, I want, I want this guy to do well. Like it's it's just such a such a different kind of character, so unlikable. Um, and yeah, there's a really nice bit uh, in the in the session where um, they're doing like a little like physical kind of duel thing that goes into um, like running forwards and scoring a scoring a goal. And the coach is, I think he's Portuguese, but he's lived in Wolverhampton. <laughs> and there's this bit where his accent is just all over the place. And he's like, right, lads, got it, lads. And it's just like, what is going on here? Like, I'm here for all of that. I'm here for absolutely all of it. Um, what do you think we can expect from, from Delhi this year? From Delhi, that's, I think this is it really is a make or break season for Delhi because the last two, in my opinion, he's, he's not been anywhere near his... Uh, He's not been close to reaching his potential. He's really taken a taken a dip since you know since when he was scoring, you know, putting in double figures for goals and assists. I'm from from what I gather and from what it looks like we're doing in preseason. Nuno looks to be favouring four three three. Does he not? In a lot of games we seem to have employed that formation. In which case, I don't see there being a natural fit for Delhi. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of him in in the advanced eight position in midfield. I don't. I, I think he's better higher up the pitch when he can get close, get close to the, the front man. And I don't think he has the pace to play in one of the wide positions, the wide attacking roles either side of the nine. So I, I'm not sure. But I think all of this depends on what happens with Kane. If we end up playing a 4-2-3-1 or even a 3-5-2 or something, maybe you can squeeze him in elsewhere as a second striker. If we're playing a 4-3-3, I think we're going to struggle, man. But I think he he's not young anymore. How old is he? Must be 25, pushing on 26 now. And, it, and there's a World Cup at the end of the season. He's, 
he really does need to find his form again, or he's going to be he's going to find himself in a similar position to someone like Harry Wicks, who is unwanted or not necessarily needed at the club, but struggling to find a, a new club who is on the level that they perceive themselves arguably to be. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about Delhi's chance? I know he's he's looked good in preseason. He's got a smile on his face. It's lovely to see after the last couple of years. How do, how do you see the season planning for him? I think it really, really depends on our shape. That's why I asked about him first because I associate like I think when I had Jesse on a while ago and we were chatting and we were saying like if you everyone knows if you're a coach who wants to coach with a back three, it's kind of like a badge that you wear and it's just like oh yeah back free coach. Oh, Conte, back free coach. I thought Nuno, back free coach. Um, but um, but if we're, if we're not going to play a back free, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, the, I don't know what his best position is in, in that setup. If we do play a back free, I think like his best spells on the potch were when we had him as like, you know, that inside forward position. We had him. Absolutely. Him and um, Ericsson behind. And Ericsson behind Kane. We were just ridiculous. We were so good. And obviously that's dependent on having wing backs who can get up and down and having, like, we had Dembele in midfield who was just phenomenal. But, like, I, I, there's there's definitely still a level that he can get to that is good enough for Tottenham. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's not good enough for us at his best. I think there's, I think there's no question that, that he is. It's just going to be a case of, what team are we playing against? What formation are we playing? Does he get into that team? So what it, it, you said you said before, I like the using the like floor and ceiling. I think Delhi's floor this year is as low as like starts 10 to 15 games. And I think his ceiling is like maybe starts 25, gets 10 goals, five to ten assists. I think that's what we're looking at in terms of how influential he could be in the league anyway. I think that's a reasonable show. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But going back to what you were, you were saying about the back three, um, I don't know if you remember, but during the whole chaotic managerial search, when we were in discussions with the, the Roma guy, Fonseca, apparently that, that, those negotiations broke down because Paratici, the new sporting director guy we've got from Juventus, he wanted to play a back three, whereas Fonseca was dead set on playing a back four. And apparently that's one of the reasons why that broke down. Nuno at Wolves also played in a back three system. And so that's when, when we made the appointment, I thought, oh, okay, we might be seeing this back three come into play. And I think we have a squad that's set up well for it. We have good attacking fullbacks. We have a load of centre-backs and the new side in Romero who just came in, played in the middle of a back three at Atalanta, Atalanta and did really well there. Um, but we haven't played the back three for any minute of our preseason so far, so there's a. It doesn't really add up to me. I'm, I have no idea what we're gonna, what we're gonna do. What 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 would you do if you were picking the team? I think it. I think it depends on your position. I'm actually having this now. Like the one of the teams that I'm coaching. I think look, we spent preseason, and obviously I'm not comparing myself to Nuno or comparing <laughs> myself to managing a Premier League side. But we spent preseason playing three four three and four three three. Why? Because there's going to be some games where if we play over back three, we'll have an advantage, and there's going to be some games where it suits us better to play over back four. You just want players to know what it's like to play in both of those things, slightly different roles, maybe for the outside centre-backs, whether they're full-backs or wing-backs, are they a full-back or a, an outside centre-back? Yeah. I think it really does depend on the profile of your players. And I was like, we could talk about Harry Kane 
if Harry Kane goes, then okay. The biggest loss to the club this summer is Juan Foyth, in my opinion. <laughs> we, I absolutely we love him. him. We could have done with yeah. him. He's yeah. like a really, a really like exciting ball playing, like doesn't give a shit if versatile. he makes a mistake. Versatile centre back. Brave. Yeah, can play out from the back. He would have been, and for the price that we sold him for what was it, around about 50 million euros, I think, the the yeah. VRL. We're not going to sign a better player for that money this window. Although I appreciate he wasn't getting a look in under the previous manager. I understand it from his point of view. It's a shame they had the, the buy option into his contract. It, it's a shame, but uh, I wish him the best of luck. Lovely, lovely fellow. Um, good player as well. I assume you would have been playing fourth on the right-hand side of a back three in the 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, right? Okay, so like so. A, a tucked in... You, now, there's all this talk of, of Jaffet Tanganga going out on loan. Different type of centre-back to Foyth. But when you have Regulon pushing up, like bombing up the wing, like he would have been... Tanganga would be perfect for that position, tucking alongside two other centre-backs. He'd be absolutely perfect. And he, by all accounts, he played excellently against Arsenal. I think that... He did, yeah. If we, if we do make a, if we do make a, a shift in the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2, I think we'll be relatively set, I think. I would definitely not loan out Tanganga. I think he's ready to play. I think he's ready to play. Um, and I think given what you said about like lowering the kind of the age profile of the squad, if you're going to move on someone who's been at the club, one of our own for ages, bring in the North London Edmonton kid who signed his contract in front of millions of people on Amazon. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's <laughs> let's do that whole thing. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be an interesting year for Eric Dyer as well. And it's so funny, the parallels between him and Delhi, because when they both came through at similar times at, um, with, with Poch um, and both were like all of a sudden like in the England team and now neither of them are like anywhere near the England setup. Um, it would be nice to see, to see them have a role to play for Spurs this year. I think Delhi's just a, a better player than Eric Dyer is that I don't think Eric Dyer's as 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 I'm, good a player. I'm I don't think he's as likely to fit in. No, no. I think with with Dyer, he's he's a sort of guy. He he can go through. He can go through a game and make no mistakes, but he'll make one crucial mistake. But you can guarantee he will make one every game. He, you you cannot trust him. He, he he'll throw his heads. He'll attack every single cross, every ball into the box. He'll put his body on the line, but there's always one. He'll be off balance. He'll let the ball sail over his head. He'll do something. I think it's maybe a concentration issue. I'm not sure, but I think if we're looking to, if we're looking to progress, we we could really do with upgrading in that position. And I love him as a bloke. They're one of our most interesting characters, I think, in the dressing room. I think he's a really, really nice guy. As he's not afraid to to put his opinions out there. Um, but no, I think. Well, at least this window, I would like to move on either he or or Davinson Sanchez. I think they're two of our only only players who could command a, a decent fee in this market. I think there still would be takers for them if we could get 20, 25 million for either of those players. Probably more likely Sanchez. We should do it this window and then address the other one next summer. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think my my uh, my memories of. It's weird because what's freshest in my mind for watching Spurs is the the period of games after lockdown. So like the Man U game where we went one nil up with the Bergvine goal and then the gave gives away the penalty. Away. Like that's fresher in my mind than like Kane finishing the season with uh, with loads of assists. Um, and that's just I think just generally time is 
just been complete uh, it's just completely warped um but yeah i just there's 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 so many there's so many things that can go wrong when eric dies in your team basically and i feel bad saying that but i do think that's just the reality um i'm just looking through the squad the um god it's not a big squad you know christ the men's first team squad is currently Lloris, Doherty, Region, Hoiberg, Sanchez, Son, Winks, Kane, Roden, Dyer, Sissoko, Lacelso, uh, Sessignon, Dele, Bergvine, Aurier, Tanganga, Lucas, and Dombele, Skip, Davis, uh, Alfie White, Jack Clark, Cameron Carter Vickers. I mean, there's some in and out there, and obviously, we've brought in a goalkeeper, brought in a centre back. Um, and Brian, Brian Hill. Did you see him on the treadmill Brian today? Hill. I did, I did. Yeah, lovely haircut. He's exciting, eh? He looks, I, I he looks no, like he no should be in a Beatles... Him. He looks like he should be in a Beatles tribute It's act. a throwback. It's a throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no idea where I'll fit in, but my God, is he, is he an exciting player? He's, he's, he reminds me of um, like a young Aaron Lennon when he was breaking through. Every time he gets the board, you could people you could get people on their feet. He's very, very direct, and I will enjoy watching him. I watched him a fair bit last season in, in La Liga, and yeah, he's he's one to watch. Exciting player, and fantastic haircut. So what a signing all round! Really excited for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'll. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna play whatever, right? He's one of these players that's like, okay, play me wide in a three four three, play me wide in a four three three. Like, I'm I'm involved. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Also, very it's, it, we've done very well to get Lamella off our books in that deal as well. Because there's not clubs in Europe do not have much money at the moment. We've done very well to find someone who will take Lamella off our hands and, and his wages. And by doing so, lowering our, our age profile, that's a very, very good move from Tottenham, I think. As much as I love Eric Lamella, it was time for all parties to uh, to move on. Bless him. Do you wanna do you wanna do your top five favorite Eric Lamella moments? We can do that. Um five cool. Oh, I, I have I don't have them in any particular order. Should we, no, no should we I'll do, I do one and you do one. I do one and you on, do one. It. How about that? Um, when he called Jack Wilshire a pussy against Arsenal. <laughs> you just, you do need players who will do that, don't you? You just, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for his goal against Man City when we beat them 4-1. It's kind of like a counter-attack breakaway and he... Uh, he'd had a really good game, actually. And it's the one where basically there's two defenders back and the keeper and he delays it and delays it and delays it. And the, the, they all try and ju- jump in front of it and try and block it. And he just holds, 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 holds and then taps it in and celebrates uh, running to the fans. Yeah, good memory. Good goal. Um, my next one would probably be... Well, I'll do one more jokey one and then I'll, I'll choose a decent one at the end. Um, in the Battle of the Bridge, where... Uh... Seth Fabregas lying on the floor, sprawled out, and the Mello walks walks past him, treads on his hand, looks away, and then you see Fabregas running to the ref and look at my hand, he's trod on my hand, and the Mello's like, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. He's such a shit out of it. Oh, my God. The sort of player you need in London derbies. He really, really got what it means to be a Tottenham a Tottenham player and a Tottenham fan. He, he loves the club. He adores Tottenham Hotspur, which is, is great. It's lovely. Uh, this might not be a moment because it happened over a period of time. But just like the transition from I'm a winger who stays really wide and like get get the ball to my feet, otherwise I'm not really that interested, to hi guys, I'm Eric Lamella and I'm an industrious number 10 who clatters people. <laughs> the, the transition was ridiculous. We, we brought him in 
mainly to replace Bale, the goals that Bale um, got in his last season before going to Real Madrid. We spent a lot of money on him, and then we converted him into some some sort of really hard-working, aggressive, nasty, snide player who tracked back to his own corner flag. Not what we signed him for at all, but he was a fantastic servant. Um, I realised we're running out of favourite moments, so I'm going to tie both Rabona goals into into one for the last the last on our five. I mean, the fact that he scored two Rabona goals is outrageous. That is so sad. So sad that the one against Arsenal, which was a magnificent goal, was not the winning goal. We didn't even get a draw out of the game because that would have been just chef's kiss. You know, that would have been absolutely perfect. But it wasn't too... And then he got a red card in the same game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. That was a... God, that was a frustrating game. Um, I think going into the Man City game, like, I, I, I cannot believe that, that that the season starts on Sunday. Like, that is just... That is just mind blowing, but I'm going to that game. It will be the first game I've gone to at Spurs in. I can't even think when the last game was. Um, I just I I cannot imagine what the the vibe is going to be. Like, are we just excited for the year? Do we think we're going to win the game? We do pretty well against them at home. Like, is the team just kind of who we expect? because they've played for Spurs before what's the shape of the team going to be like I, I, I just don't I don't know like it will get to what is kickoff half five on Saturday or is it the early game Sunday I keep saying Saturday Sunday isn't it um yeah yeah like, like it, it, Sunday night at eight o'clock I've got no idea what I'll be thinking or feeling or what will have just happened and normally going into the season for Spurs I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what my expectations for the season are and how I'm how I how I feel going into some of these big games. Like even when we played City before, I thought, okay, if if we play well, we'll have a chance. I think if they turn up against us, we'll we're gonna really, really, really struggle. Um and it it might look pretty bleak. How are you feeling? <laughs> um I mean it's 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 been completely overshadowed by the whole Kane saga, hasn't it? It's bit like just just thinking about our season in general, it's impossible to know where we stand. Like we only have three weeks until the the end of the, the, the you know when the transfer window closes if we sell Kane we're going to need to sign probably well another three players or so plus two more attackers to replace Kane that's a lot of business to do in three weeks so it's impossible to know where we are as a squad as a club in preparation for the new season until that that is solved um, regarding the City game I think it's a good time to be playing them because I think I read Foden's out De Bruyne may be out Quite a few players came back late from international duty, which should work in our favour. Obviously, their B team is on paper miles better than probably our first team, but you know you take what you can get. Um, and we do, like you said, we do have a good record against them at home. I think we've won every game at the new stadium against Man City. To be honest, if we if we keep it respectable, if we, even if we lose two one or two, well, I don't know. I'm not expecting a win. I'm not expecting a even us to get a point, despite what I've just said about the, the players missing. But I just want to see us looking not afraid. Under Mourinho, we would have just parked the bus, dropped deep, you know, had two banks at the four in defence, and we would have just tried to sink the game out and snatch it on the break. I hope we try and take it to them a little bit, give the fans something to cheer, something to get behind. And that's that's about as much as I'm, I can hope for this game, I think. Something positive to, to cling on to. Because after that, we have a couple of winnable, winnable games coming up, I think. So then if we can mm. put in a decent show at City, 
taken into the next few games before the international break and and then yeah reassess end of the month once the transfer window is closed yeah I think that's about right I'm just going to look up the fixtures yeah I've got them here um, so City on the 15th then away to Wolves on the 22nd home Ooh, to Nuno Watford homecoming. on the 29th yeah exactly and then there's an international break until the second week in September when we have Palace away oh Palace Monster against Vieira that'd be fun break. Yeah, oh my yeah, god, what the hell? What the hell? How can we have an international break? What is what is oh gosh. So unnecessary. Football. Ludicrous. Yep. Um God, and so away to Palace, then home to Chelsea, away to Arsenal. Two easy wins there, the last two. Yep. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh god, it's gonna be over by September. It'll be fine, Josh. It'll be fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, going the city game, I think the team picks itself largely as well. There's only maybe one or two positions I think that aren't nailed down. I think the front four is guaranteed based on previous seasons so far. It's going to be Son up front through the middle, and then you're going to have it's likely going to be a four-two-three-one, despite what I said about Nuno liking the back three, and then you have Delhi, Bergwijn, and Lucas sort of causing causing chaos behind Son. I think quite a fluid front four. That's what we seem to be doing. That's that's sorted. Hoiberg is going to play. I imagine Skip will get a place in the team. Nunes, he started him against Chelsea and Arsenal in pre-season. So he's came back from Norwich looking like a different player, like not only on the ball, but as a as a physical specimen. He's beefed up. He, he's looking like, like a proper first-team player now. And then the back four, probably too soon for Romero. Alderweireld's gone, so I guess that leaves Sanchez and Dyer centre-back. We haven't seen Roden yet either, so it's probably those two. And then right back, who knows? What do we do a right back? I feel like if Doherty doesn't get it going under Nuno, it, do you know what I mean? Like that, it, that has to be the, yeah. it has to be him. Um, no, let, and then, and then let, let's not forget that Nuno did sell Doherty when he was the Wolves manager. He yeah, true. That is true. That anymore. is true. <laughs> that is true. So maybe he was just trying to get rid of him and he'll, he'll play Oria. I don't know. And Dombele, you don't think it's in he, that eleven? He's not played a minute of preseason. He can't play. He just can't play. You, you cannot throw him in against Man City when he hasn't. He hasn't. Maybe on the bench if he has a good week of training, but no way he starts that game. But and, and going back to the right back situation, Doherty, I think it's, everyone's pretty aware that he's a he's much more comfortable in the right wing back position, a bit more higher up the pitch. He's not a great defender in the back four, particularly one v ones, and positionally he's questionable in my opinion. But if he can't get a game against in front of Serge Aurier, who has tried to leave the club for the last three summers, he has one year left on his contract, the club are desperately trying to move him on. If Aurier gets ahead of Doherty in this game, then he has no hope going forward, surely. In fact, Tanganga, it's going to, I completely forgot, Tanganga has oh got Tanganga, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll play. He'll play. He'll, he'll start right start. back, won't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that will give regular license to bomb forward a little bit and then you can tuck in and do the back three thing. Yeah. That's the team. It's a oh gosh, it's not. It's a there's a there's a big there's a big cane shaped hole there, isn't there? Massive. Um, we'll just have That's to see. Defense doesn't fill we'll me with confidence either. Yeah. The, the did you watch the did, position? Does not go on. Did you watch the Community Shield? No, no, I didn't. I, I watched the Community look. Shield. Shit, City, <laughs> shitty. City did not <laughs> look great. Um, obviously there was a load of players out, but like it's the the it it just looked like that. The balance of the team was was off. It just it didn't it didn't look right. I get that like there's obviously good players to come in, but Leicester like 
absolutely controlled the game, I thought. Um, and yeah, okay, they had their first team more or less, but like City B team or City reserves or City with five or six youngsters in don't normally get dominated like that. Um, and yeah, I was I was very, very impressed with Leicester and very underwhelmed by City, but um, maybe that's just what happens when <laughs> Sterling and Foden and De Bruyne are not playing. Well, um, I wanted to into Sunday's game. Yeah, carry, yeah. More, more of the same, please, lads, on Sunday. That would be fantastic. Um, uh, did you watch? Uh, sorry, just for line of, did you have you seen any of the Grealish at City stuff? I, I saw a very questionable tweet yesterday with a Photoshop Peaky Blinders thing. That wasn't uh, <laughs> that was very strange for the City media team. Uh, I've seen a couple of the interviews. Yeah, it's, it's the whole quite sad I thought the whole move, just talking about the move in general it's quite, it was quite sad I felt really sorry for Villa fans seeing because uh, I, I mean I know how much he meant to the club we, we were going through similar with the Kane situation right now it was pretty heartbreaking um, in terms of the interviews and stuff no I can't say I've sat down and watched them no any 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 highlights that you'd like to uh, <laughs> to bring up anything I, wa- to I watched yeah I watched a thing that was like his first day or something or like his his medical and all this sort of stuff i might have misheard yeah i might have misheard but i'm pretty sure he said he weighs 81 and a half kilos and i just refuse that to be uh, that cannot be true because he is absolutely apart from his ass and his calves he is absolutely tiny so if that's true i'm I, I, yeah, I just I'm shooketh by that, um, and just all the stuff of him, uh, like with the um, I don't know the the hair, and there's this bit where he's doing a shoot, and he like rolls his socks up, and he like wags his finger at the camera as if to say, "Don't pull your socks up," no. and he pulls them down, and he's like, "Yeah," and it's just very very odd. Um, but I'm I'm happy for him. I think if you're gonna of all the ways to leave your club, like that's the way to do it. Have the clause, the club get money to be able to go out and and spend it on on multiple players because you're leaving a big void. Um, I think he can go back. You know, he's not gonna get booed when he got when City play Villa at Villa Park. Do you know what I mean? No, no. I think he'll he'll, he'll go back and they won't hold it against him. Also, the, I was very impressed with Aston Villa's chairman doing. I'm sure you've seen it yourself. He gave a like, like a speech. Uh, to the fans after Grealish was sold. Oh, in fact, it was announcing Grealish's sale to Man City. And he was saying, look, we had the clause and we've replaced him with um, the guy from Leverkusen, what's his, Leon Bailey and Emi Buendia. He's a fantastic player. And also, like, Danny Ings signing came out of nowhere. Like, not a single journalist had reported on that. And bam, have that Villa fans. It was very impressive um, management, recruiting. And I think Villa fans will be ready to be happy with that. Um yeah, so and they they did what we kind of need to do, right? If if we are going to sell Kane, then we're gonna, we're going to need to get the players in first, and I have my doubts about that. Um, also, yeah. Greenish having the number ten shirt is that something that's significant? Do you think? I how that was my first thinking as well. I was like, well, is Kane going to wear nine? Like, is he is he happy doing that? But then that just feels so stupid that that's the reason that a player would or wouldn't sign. But then you just had it. I wanted to talk about the messy thing. They've managed to make it work and Messi will just take a number that's not 10 because Neymar's still there. But then, it, yeah, it does feel significant, but then simultaneously it's like, oh, it's like shirt numbers do matter, but then they also are not important at all. Insignificant. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. They are. Yeah, <laughs> ultimately they're insignificant. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. But still, the fact that they, um, they, they chose to sign Grealish first and they allocated him Kane's 
they allocated him Kane's favourite shirt number and they haven't put in any a, a bid that's anywhere close to his value. If I was Harry Kane, I wouldn't be extremely happy with um with Man City right now. If they want if they really wanted him, they could have they could have made it very clear and put the money on the table and you know showed that they wanted him a lot sooner than they have done. Mm. Uh, I just went on Twitter and there's a headline on the sun. I'm not going to click on it because I hate clicking those rags. Yeah. But it says Kane unhappy at the prospect of being ava- of being made available for Sunday. So, oh, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. Okay. Yeah, so you we... might you might have to you might have to play for the football team that you're that you play for. Sorry. <laughs> Might have to do your job. I'm so sorry, H. You might have to do what you're contractually yeah. obliged to uh, to do. Yeah, my yeah. heart um, bleeds for him. <laughs> your final, finally, you're you're based in Barcelona. You have been for a few years. How significant is Messi leaving? Massive. It's absolutely massive. It's 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 like a bombshell. It really is because everyone was convinced that he was going to renew at the club. Every single person. And it turns out that the player himself had agreed to re-sign, uh, like renew rather. The club had put an offer on the table that they were willing to pay him. He was willing to accept. But somewhere down the line, their accountants hadn't done their job properly or something. And it, it just was not possible with La Liga restrictions for him to to extend or to sign a new deal at Barcelona because his, his old deal ex- expired on the 30th of June. It's enormous. It really is enormous, but I have very little sympathy for Barcelona um, for the whole situation, to be honest. It's, it's a, a consequence of years and years of incompetence, shocking financial management, shocking recruitment, um, giving out new contracts every 12, 18 months, like they're going out of fashion. I have very little sympathy in that regard. But also the fact that the best player in the world, probably, in my opinion, the best player in football history, the fact that he's going to, it's an, well, it's a petrodollar club, you know, PSG. They've 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 only been in existence for forty years or so. It's it really is sad. The fact that the best player on the planet at the peak of his powers, and he's he's still he's still definitely the best player in the world based on last season. The fact that he, there's only two, arguably three clubs that can afford to pay him or afford to to recruit him is a sad indictment of of. Of the the football ecosystem, the financial ecosystem that's that we're currently living in, it's like the market has been inflated so much by this, by these clubs like City, PSG, Chelsea, going back a few years, well, a decade or so before that. It's like his options were so restricted because no other clubs can afford to, to sign him, and I'm, I I I don't for a second buy the argument that Messi should. Um, he should have played for free or played for five percent or whatever. He's, he's, you know, he's he's the best. He's the finest exponent of his art in the world, and he, sh- he shouldn't be expected to to play for a, you know, a reduced fee or not what he could uh, not the wage that he could command. But it's very. It leaves me feeling very cold. Very. It's very hushingless signing, and I. It's, I mean, I feel great for Pochettino. He's got a wonderful. Yeah, I can't believe. I can't believe he's the. <laughs> can't believe he's the manager. Oh, and to, to think he, to think he was desperate to come, reportedly desperate to come back to Tottenham in late May. He wanted Man. out. Can you imagine if he if he joined this shit show and then Messi rocks up in Paris a, a month later? Can you imagine how he'd be reacting? Unbelievable! Uh, I, I can't see there being much. 
I can't see them doing much of the famous Pochettino press with Neymar and Messi in your, in your front line. Poor Mbappe is going to be worn out by the end of the season. His legs are going to fall off. But, um, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I <laughs> I I I can see them winning the league by 25-30 points probably. It's like playing a football manager when you use a cheat code and then you have an unlimited budget. It's like they they are taking the mick really with the, the squad they've assembled. I cannot believe that Pochettino is now coaching. Messi and Mbappe, Neymar, like that is, I like I don't know I don't know if he has dreams at night. I don't know like what his what his objectives are as a coach, but like that is as much talent as you'll ever get given. And I just I I am I I it is genuinely interesting to see whether they can do well in the Champions League because um, domestically boring. I know they didn't win the league last year, but like. I might tune in for some. I think that I think well, there's there's all this stuff about TV rights with um with the French league, isn't there? But if they if they are on BT Sport, I'll probably tune in for a couple of games. I want to see. I Poch think Amazon happy. have a lot of them. Have they? Sorry for interrupting. I think Amazon have got a few. Yeah, a few of the games. Right. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch to see that. I'll, I'll watch to see those three players on the same pitch at the same time for the same team. Like that is that is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think I I didn't know much about the like. Uh, well, the kind of there's like a minimum wage in Spain as well, isn't there? In the top division, there's a minimum wage, and also there's a there's a, there's like a a rule in in Spanish contract law, I believe, that if you say say you're offered a new contract by your employer, it cannot be worth less than fifty percent of the previous contract or something like that. So the the deal right. that Messi and Barcelona agreed to was the minimum value, if this is true which I'm led to believe it is, was the minimum value that he could legally accept in, in Spain. Mm. And even that wasn't enough to get, to get it over the line. Because currently, so with Messi, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure you've already read this, but with Messi, Barcelona was spending 110% of their income on player wages. If you completely remove Messi's wage from the, from the books, they're down to something like 95%. But the La Liga rules are... I think club, the maximum clubs can spend is 70%. So in these next two, three weeks, they still need to get a lot of players off their wage bill. Otherwise, they won't be able to sign or register, is the correct word, the new signings with La Liga. So you have the likes of Sergio Aguero, Memphis Depay, Eric Garcia. They may not even be able to play for their new club. So Barca would then be paying them wages without even be able, being able to benefit from these new signings, which is just a further example of Barca's pure incompetence, you know? If they, if they should have sorted this messy thing far earlier than they did, and then they could have built, you know, assembled a squad based on that. It really is a, a shambles. A shambles. Yeah, God. What a mess. What a mess. Well, at least there's... At least Spurs aren't in a situation like that, you know? We're probably going to sell our best player, hopefully get a decent haul for him, and it's going to be panic trying to sign sign players at this deadline I think that's I think that's how this ends for Spurs I think Kane goes out having done some unbelievable things individually at the club and having got close I don't think we were close to beating Liverpool in that Champions League final but like got close to some some really special moments but yeah that goodwill I think has kind of been eroded that he built up and I think Spurs are looking at a, a rebuild and 
I think the sooner we get on board with that, embrace the fact that we've still got one of the best players in the league in Son, the better. Yeah, I think that's right. I think this rebuild, it's come, it's, it's come in maybe one or two years too late as well. We probably should have looked to do this a few years back. Get some money for the likes of Daniel Rose instead of letting him go on a free. Cash in on Eric Dyer when Man United paid forty million for him. You could you could have sold Kane then as well if you really wanted to get some real money for Dembele. We we probably could have been smarter about it, but yeah, it's, we need to accept that it's time to regenerate the squad. Cash in on Kane. Have a, se- a transitional season with low expectations. Somewhere between fifth and seventh realistically is where I think we'll end up. And uh, I just hope that some of these new signings come good. Yeah, agreed. Jack, you're the man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Josh. Pleasure.